Last week, Pastor Tim talked about um, faith and works and how works are an evidence of the faith in which we have, that we will display what we actually believe by the things that we do. All right? So works are important with our faith. Um, one isn't without the other. Our faith should have works, and our works should prove our faith. And today, James is going to continue to lay out for us what it looks like to have a, a life fully surrendered to Christ. Um, John MacArthur says this, he says, Nowhere in the relationship between faith and works is it more evident than a person's speech. What you are will inevitably be disclosed by what you say. So one of the best ways for you to show um, works, what you actually believe because of your faith, is by the things that you say. Um, A great example or a great testimony to the world around you is your mouth. It can also be something that can completely destroy your testimony and not want to make people listen to anything that you have to say because of your mouth. So you think of it in the sense of like, is the same mouth that you have here at church the same mouth that you have at work? Is the same mouth that you have here at church the same mouth that you have at home and so forth and those different things. And we're going to talk about that um, in just a little bit. Remember in James chapter 1, verse 26, James says, If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So James has already touched a little bit on the tongue. He's going to talk about it, obviously, this morning. And then every chapter throughout the book of James, in all five chapters, the tongue is mentioned. It's a common theme all throughout the book of James, is is what do we do with our tongues? Are we able to control our tongues? And and how is God working within those things? And he has very harsh language there in chapter 1, verse 26. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue... He deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. It's a very difficult verse to read because as we're going to talk about, this is going to be something that is going to be a struggle for every single person. Every single person is going to struggle when it comes to controlling the tongue and knowing what to say and how to say it and when to say it and when, honestly, just to be quiet. He'd also told us in chapter 1, remember, be quick to hear and slow to speak. Uh, I think James would tell us we get ourselves in a lot of trouble with our tongue because we want to always use it. When at times we need to be willing to listen more than speaking. And we live in a society in which the desire to talk and to be heard is overwhelming. You cannot turn on the TV without hearing people giving their opinions about anything. Anything out there, people have their opinions on it and they're talking about it. I love sports, but very rarely are they showing sports anymore. They're showing people giving their opinions about sports. Everyone has an opinion about something. And we live in a day in which social media is a huge deal. So I know a long time ago not everyone was able to voice their opinion because they didn't necessarily have a platform. Everyone has a platform now where you can give your opinion on absolutely anything that you want to when it comes to Facebook or Twitter or Instagram You can post whatever it is that you want to post. You can say what it is you want to say to a certain extent. They may block you. But you can get it out there at least for a little bit, right? And so every single person has a platform in which to say and spew whatever mess it is that they want to. And really no one's going to be able to stop them. But the Bible has things to say about the tongue. Now, we're going to read some different scriptures outside of James. But we're not even going to begin to scratch the surface of all the scriptures that deal with the tongue. Because we'd be here most of the day. Um, if we were going to reference all of those scriptures. But I want you to know that words matter. And what you say matters. And not only does it matter to you and to others around you, but it matters to God. 
God has a standard in which he wants you to live when it comes to your tongue and the things in which you say or don't say. And words matter. And words matter to people. Anyone who tells you that words don't hurt, they're just a liar. Because words hurt people. I, I grew up in middle school and high school, and it was a very difficult time for me. Because if you've seen any of my middle and high school pictures, uh, you would understand why it was a very difficult, difficult time. My ears had not quite caught up with the rest of me, so they were, they were huge. All right? I had pretty big ears, and, and my dad would get me this, uh, anyone ever seen Dumb and Dumber? The Lloyd Christmas haircut, right? Just straight across here. I had that for a good bit of middle school and high school. And I can tell you this, that the things that I heard in 7th, 8th, and ninth grade still stick with me today. And so for someone to say, well, these words don't necessarily affect me or anything, I, I promise you that there are many of you that are still struggling with things that you heard either as a child or maybe in middle school and high school, maybe even heard it as an adult, that someone has said something to you or said something about you and you are still struggling with those things that you hear today. Now, for us as believers, we know that the Holy Spirit can allow us to get over that. I don't dwell on those things. I think of it from time to time, but it doesn't affect my life today. But it's only been because of the power of the Holy Spirit working that I've been able to overcome those thoughts of what used to be in the past. But I know that many of you are struggling with things that people have said, or maybe you've been the one that has said something that has caused someone else to struggle. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. Your mouth, your tongue, the words that you say have the power to bring death or to bring life to someone. Proverbs 12:18 says, "There is one whose rash words are like sword thrust, but the tongue of the wise will bring healing. That your words can be like someone being stabbed with a sword. They can absolutely hurt people, and they can devastate people's lives. And so for us as Christians, we should be the standard for what it looks like as a group of people to control their tongues, to be spirit-led with our tongues, and we should set the example in our world when it comes to speech. We should have loving speech. Colossians 4 talks about our speech should be gracious and seasoned with salt, right? We should be able to control our tongues through the power of the Holy Spirit, which we'll talk about that in just a little bit. But to know that the words that I say, the things that I say, the tongue has the power to bring death or life to people. Now, I want to tell you this. James is going to have some very negative things to say today. We're going to read verses 1 through 12, and there's not really going to be a whole lot of positive in there. Uh, matter of fact, this is one of the issues, I think, with when you cover a letter that's written to a group of people like this, because the church, when they received this letter, they would have read the entire book of James or this letter from James in one sitting. We just don't have that luxury, so we break it up into parts. So remember all the things that we've talked about so far. If you haven't been here for some of the rest of those, I encourage you to read James chapter 1 and chapter 2. And if you remember it in context of everything that we've talked about so far and where we're going to go, this is all going to make a lot more sense and there'll be more positives. So what I'm going to do this morning is we're going to read these scriptures. We're going to talk about all the negative things. I think the first point is even descriptions of the tongue, and they're all negative. Every single one of them tends to be negative. But I want to tie in at the very end for us who can control the tongue and how God wants to redeem our tongues and use them just like everything else for good. Right? So these scriptures that we'll talk about with that, they won't necessarily be in James. 
right, because we don't have the luxury of reading the whole entire book of James this morning. But I want to give us some good news. Right? I don't want you to leave going, man, there's no hope when it comes to the tongue. I want you to leave going, man, the tongue is a pretty dangerous weapon that I have. But thanks be to God that he can redeem it and that he can use it for his good. All right? So James chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. If you've been turned in your Bible, uh, let's go ahead and let's just read that. James chapter 3, verse 1 through 12. It says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you that, for you, that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we will bless our Lord and Father, and with it we will curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Now, as we've read that, you've probably noticed, like I just said, there's not a whole lot of positive there that James mentions. And if you remember our scripture reading that Mark read for us, Jesus was having this encounter with the Pharisees, and the Pharisees were giving these people this big, long list of rules in which they were supposed to do. And they were telling basically the disciples, you've got to wash your hands before you do this. And Jesus teaches them, it's not necessarily what goes in you that defiles a person. What did he say? It's what comes out of you. What comes out of your mouth is what defiles a person. And here's why this is so important, because Jesus teaches the tongue isn't really the issue. The tongue is a vessel of the heart. So the things that I say to people, or the things that come out of my mouth, are actually a reflection of what's going on in my heart. So if negative words are always pouring out of my mouth, more than likely, what can we assume about you? You probably tend to be just a negative person. If words are always coming out of your mouth that are, are, are angry, what's a good assumption that can be made about you? Your heart is filled with anger. And that's where he goes on and says, all of these things that happen in your life, they come from the heart, and your tongue is no different. And this is exactly where, where James is getting us at is he's wanting us to think about our heart. The tongue just happens to be a vessel that is used by the heart. And so if the things that are coming out of my mouth are not of God, then I need to really ask myself, am I really of God? Listen, James for me has been a very difficult book to go through and to study because really at the core of what James is trying to do is he wants you to get done with this letter, with this book, and he wants you to ask yourself this question. 
Am I really a Christian? Am I really a follower of Christ? And if you are, you're going to be encouraged by this. But you, if you get to the end of this and you go, I'm not, and he goes, all right, you've realized it. Now surrender your life to Christ. That's really where he's wanting people to get with this book. And he says one of the best ways in which you can know whether or not you are really following Christ, whether the Spirit is really working in your life, is when it comes to your tongue, with the things that you say. He starts off in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He says that not many of you should become teachers. Not many of you should seek the, the platform of teaching other people because not many of you can control your tongues when it comes to this area. And he wants you to be aware that you will be judged more strictly those who are teaching. I am fully aware that when I stand before Christ, I'm going to give an account for every single thing that I have taught you guys. And that's why I make sure that I've studied. And in my prayer every Sunday morning, you probably hear it, is I don't want you to hear my words. I want you to hear the words of Christ. I want Christ to speak through. Because if all you hear is my words, you're going to hear the words of someone who can't control his tongue. I want you to hear the words of Jesus. And this is what he's telling them. And he says in verse 2, he says, If you feel like you are someone who can control your tongue, what does he say? It says, For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. How many of you are perfect? Okay, I didn't see any hands raised, and I didn't think I would. And if you did raise your hand, then I would like to have a conversation with you and remind you that you were not perfect. What James says here in verse 2 is this applies to everyone. No one can say that they are perfect, so guess what can be said of you? You struggle with controlling your tongue. Every single one of us struggles with controlling our tongue. And then he goes on and gives us a list of descriptions here when it comes to the tongue. In verse 3, he talks about a horse with a bit in its mouth. Anyone like to ride horses? I, I, I cannot stand riding horses, right? I, don't, I think it's a terrible thing, but my wife absolutely enjoys it. And I've watched her do it enough to know that the bit in the mouth of the horse, you can control this big animal by just a little bitty piece of steel. You can control where the horse goes and what the horse does by just that little piece. And this is what he's saying about our tongue. Our course of life, the things that we do and the things that we say are controlled by such a little part of our bodies and it has such a direct impact on the rest of our bodies. He then uses the example of a ship. Any of you guys ever been on a cruise ship? Right? How massive is that cruise ship? But when you put it in comparison to the little rudder that actually controls that ship, it's nothing in comparison to the rest of the ship. And because of that rudder, the captain is able to basically control everywhere in which he wants that big, huge cruise ship to go. And this is another example that he uses for us is that the, the, the tongue is the rudder of our bodies. Is it controls what we say, it can, it can control what we think and what we do, and it control the outcome of all of those things. Now, are either one of these things really bad? No, it's what we do with them that is really what determines whether it's bad. And the last example that he uses there, uh, let's see, in verse 5 and 6, he uses the example of a fire. Now, this one is a little more startling as I read through it. In verses 5 and 6 there, he says this. It says, So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a force is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the course of life, 
and set on fire by hell. Some of these big, huge fires that we have had recently in our world have been started by such a small blaze. I think I remember reading that some of the fires that took place in Gatlinburg were just from little kids lighting matches and throwing them into the woods. And it started these big, huge fires that took place. And this is what James is telling us about our tongue. We may think that our tongue can just mouth off a little word to someone or about someone, and it's not going to go any further than maybe a conversation that I'm having with someone else, right? You ever thought that? I'm having a private conversation with someone else, and I'm saying something about someone else, and it's not going to go further from here, and then someone else happens to find out, and it sets ablaze. And people's lives are really messed up because of a little conversation that took place. So when we think about our words, we have to know that they have drastic impacts on the lives of people around us. In verses 5 and 6, James uses the descriptions of a world of unrighteousness. Some of your translations may say evil. He says your tongue can stain your whole body. Staining there is to pollute or contaminate. Your, Your tongue can pollute your entire body. It says setting on fire the course, the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. That's a pretty strong description of the tongue. That it can be set on fire by hell. And James's audience here knew exactly what he was talking about because when they referenced hell, they were talking about a certain place that was right outside the city where they would go and they would burn their trash. And so when James uses this word hell here, basically what he's saying is that your tongue can be a place that sets on fire and it can be filled with garbage. And it can set on fire a blaze that can destroy the course of life, not only for yourself, but for other people around you. Do you see through this, these few verses that we've read the power that is in your tongue? The power that is in the words that you say. And that Jesus cares so much about the words that you say because he knows how much our words can destroy people. And we're going to reference here in just a little bit what you should actually say about people. And I get this question a lot when I talk about the tongue is, well, what should I say about someone? I think maybe a good rule of thumb for us to work under is this. If they're not in the room, don't talk about them. If they're not in the room, unless it's something good or positive, not even constructive, if they're not in the room, don't talk about them. They have no business referencing those people. Don't talk about them. It can set ablaze something and it can get out and then they found out and then look what's happened because of a conversation that I thought was private that should have never been had. And it set ablaze the entire course of life and destroyed people's relationships. You can probably think in in your life that you've had, probably all of us have had a relationship that has been destroyed by our tongues. Because we've said something about someone and they found out And then they couldn't get over it. And there was no peace there. Because what they knew was how I really felt about them because of how my heart really felt about them. So a good rule is just don't talk about them if they're not there. right? And that's what James is saying. But what he goes on to tell us in verses 7 through 8 is the reason why you shouldn't do this is because no one can tame the tongue. He says, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. It's amazing what we've been able to do with animals. 
that we've been able to tame some of the wildest animals in the entire world, but James says, but no human being can tame the tongue. You can tame these wild creatures out there, and we have the capability of doing that and teaching them to do some of the things that just, well, have you seen some of these animals do some of these tricks? It'll blow your mind what some of them can do. But he says, you humans can do that, but guess what you can't do? You can't control your own mouth. You can't control your tongue. You don't have the power to overcome it. And then he calls it again, a restless evil full of deadly poison. A restless evil full of deadly poison. So let me just recap to you real fast. A world of unrighteousness. Something that can stain the whole body. Something that can set on fire the entire course of life. It can be set on fire by hell. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. James has got some pretty strong language when it comes to the tongue. And then he tells us, this tongue that we're talking about, these descriptions that I use, I want you to understand this. None of you can tame that tongue. None of you have the power to do it. None of you have the ability to do it. And none of you will ever be able to tame the tongue. This applies to every single one of us. James then goes on in verse 9 through 10. He says, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, which is good that we do that with our tongue. But he says, In the same breath, with it we curse human beings who are made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, my brothers and sisters. This should not be so. He's like, some of you, guess what? You're going to have sung your heart out today to the Lord. You're going to have blessed him. You're going to enjoy the music. You're going to sing as loud as you possibly can. Some of you are going to get in the car and badmouth someone that you just went to church with. I didn't like what that person was wearing, or this person didn't talk to me, or did you see what this person said, or did you hear what this person said? And you've done that, and what you've done is you've started something that should have never been started in the first place. And James is like, I want you to remember what you were doing just like 45 minutes ago. Weren't you just singing about how great God is? Weren't you just singing in Christ alone? Weren't you just singing about all the power that's in Jesus' name? But now, with the very same tongue that you've just lifted up the praises to your Father, you're now cursing someone who's made in his very likeness. And James says, this ought not to be so. This was happening in this church, and it happens, I think James would tell us, in almost all churches it happens. Because our flesh is geared towards doing just that. Our flesh is geared towards just complaining and pouring out our opinions and pouring out our thoughts about every single thing that takes place. And James tells us you cannot stop it. You cannot tame it. It's just something that's going to happen. It's just something that's going to happen. And then he gives us three more examples there of what he's talking about here in, verse, in chapter 3. In verse 10, it says, From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, my brothers, these things ought not to be so. Verse 11, Does a spring pour forth from the same opening with both fresh and salt water? Does it? No, it doesn't. It says, Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Or a grapevine produce figs? No. It's a fig tree. It produces figs. A fig tree doesn't produce grapes. It says, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. It's a salt pond. It's not a freshwater pond. So what he's saying is that you should not be blessing your father and with the same tongue cursing your brother and sister in Christ. It ought not to be so. Now, what you've probably noticed is that we've gotten through all 12 verses. Where's the positive in any of this? Where's the positive in any of this? 
James has laid out some pretty harsh words when it comes to the tongue, within the power that's in the tongue, and that we as human beings have no power to control our tongues. He wants us to understand that. I want you to understand that. You have absolutely no power to control your tongue. You cannot tame it. But here's the good news. We serve a God who has power over the tongue. We serve a God who can give through, through the power of the Holy Spirit, can work in and through us to control our tongues. That's the good news. So the good news is this. You can't control it, but you serve a God who does. All of, so all of our hope, all of our rest, all of our peace, all of our strength when it comes to controlling our tongues isn't in me at all. It's all in the power of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 141, verse 3. David was praying this. He says, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. He's like, just put a muzzle on me sometimes, Lord, because I can't control myself. I need you to be the one who guards my mouth. I need you to be the one who watches over the door of my lips because, Lord, if it is left up to me, I'm going to say whatever it is I want to say, and, Lord, I know that's going to get me in trouble. So, Lord, I need you to be the one to give me the power to not say what I'm thinking a lot of times or to not really say what it is that I want to say. Romans chapter 8, verse 10 through 14 It says, but if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. I love verse 11. It says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, which the tongue is of the flesh, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. This is the good news. We've read some pretty negative things when it comes to the tongue. James has has laid out some negative stuff about the tongue and that we can't control it. But what Paul tells us here in Romans chapter 8 is the same Spirit who rose Jesus from the grave now dwells in your heart. And guess what? If he can raise Jesus from the grave, do you think he can control your tongue? You better believe he can. Do you think that he can give you the power through the working of the Holy Spirit to overcome the things that are in your heart and that you want to say? Of course he can. It's all through the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. So we could say this. And a great evidence of whether or not the Holy Spirit is working in your life is how you control your tongue. If the Holy Spirit is working in and through you and He's doing a work in your heart and your life, you're going to know the things you should say and you shouldn't say, and you're going to have the power and ability through the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome and to tame your tongue. And your words that you say are going to be a reflection of the faith in which you confess to have in Jesus Christ. You're going to begin to talk like Jesus. And I think that's what all of us should want. If you are a follower of Christ, that should be exactly what you want, is that I want to talk like Jesus. I want the words that I say to be the words that Jesus would say in each and every single situation of my life. Not only does God give us the power, not only does God give us the power through the Holy Spirit to overcome our tongue, He can completely transform our tongue. 
Because God wants the tongue to be used for good. He can give us the power through the Holy Spirit to overcome our tongue. Then he can take our tongue that is of the flesh and meant for evil and can bring death and can set on fire the course of life. God can take the tongue and use it for his glory and for his good. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Your tongue can be an instrument of building up and an instrument of grace. That's where God wants our mouths to be. An instrument for building people up, encouraging other people that are around us, and an instrument of grace in which we pour out to people around us. Do you see the differences within the things in which James is describing and the other verses that we've read? What's the difference in this? The Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit comes in and can completely transform our tongues and use them for good. Proverbs 15.4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perseverance in it breaks the spirit. So God says it's possible through the working of the Holy Spirit for my tongue to be used to build up, to bring grace to people, and my tongue can be a tree of life. The words that I say in my mouth can be those things. So I I encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to work. To know that you can't tame your tongue, you can't control your tongue, but you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you who can. Allow Him to do just that. Ask Him, confess to Him, Holy Spirit, give me the power, work in me to control my tongue. I want to close with this, Psalm 19, verse 14. I, I want this, this is kind of a prayer for us. I want you to, we're going to read it, but I want you to to almost pray it as we read it. And then our musicians are going to come sing our closing song of worship together. Psalm 19, verse 14. It says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable, acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let me read it to you one more time. God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight. I thank you, O Lord, that you are my rock and my redeemer. You're the only hope that I have when it comes to taming the tongue. You're the only hope that I have, God, when it comes to redeeming my tongue and the words that come out of my mouth. God, this is all about you. I can't do this without you. That should be our prayer. It should be our prayer every single day. If we pray that prayer, if we ask the Holy Spirit to work and move, we'll be able to control our tongues, and our tongues will be an instrument of building up, of grace, and they'll be a tree of life to those that are around us. Jesus, thank you again for your word. Thank you for the power that is in the words that we're reading Thank you for James and his challenge to us and for him pointing out exactly what the tongue is. Thank you for the fact that we can't control our tongues. Thank you that we are so completely dependent upon you that without you, we're going to fail miserably in this area of controlling our tongues. Jesus, I I know for myself, I am thankful. I am thankful that this is really dependent upon how much I let the Holy Spirit work. I pray that we would all 
let you work in our lives, in our hearts most importantly, but also in our tongues. May the things that we say be glorifying to you. May the things that we say be uplifting to those that are around us. And when we stand before you one day, we'll be able to say, God, I I glorified you with the words of my mouth. I glorified you with my heart. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.